Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Just a reminder, as always, to sign up for my newsletter at jasonpereira.ca. Now on today's show. Today on the show, I have Jean Legere and Venki Kolkani, co-founders of Cuber. Cuber is an app that helps people save for basic life events and helps people get over that initial hurdle of just getting started on savings. And with that, here's my interview with Jen and Venki. Jen and Venki, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having us. Uh, we all have some time in quarantine right now. Uh, whenever this gets aired, we are doing this in the middle of uh, April. Uh, so we're all locked down right now. So plenty of time to talk about what your business does. So Jen Venki of Cuber, tell us about Cuber. Cuber is a easy to use app for, for people to help in saving money. Uh, Cuber focuses on financially underserved uh, working women and especially low to moderate income households mm-hmm. that have a hard time to save for emergencies. Cuber is focused on helping people save for emergency funds. Okay. So we'll get into that in a second. Let's talk about how this company came to be. What was the impetus for its creation? It really spawned from a personal struggle with finance. So, I mean, I was one of those people, you know, a lot of our users are spending money on credit card and kind of living that paycheck to paycheck life cycle. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people. So it really came from how to break that cycle and help people manage their money better. Fair enough. As usual, it's a itching need and there's got to be a better way. Okay, so that came, it came out of personal frustration, like so many companies do. So you specifically, before we get into the target market and how you service them, tell me about the entire experience of onboarding with this application. So I discovered this application is going to help me save money, start to finish. What does it do for me? Yeah, so the first thing that happens when you onboard is um, you create your first saving goal. And typically what we suggest, and we give defaults in the app, so we suggest people start with an emer- emergency savings fund. And then once you've created that jar, the next thing that you would do is add your bank account information because what we do is we pull money from our user's bank account and hold it in a trust account while they're saving. And the reason that we do that is so that people can't easily spend that money. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Out of sight, out of mind. That's right. And they can easily get it back. It takes one to two days to get it back if they need it. But it's just that level of abstraction where they can't access it easily through their own banking. So basically, they add their goal, they add their bank account, and then they're onboarded. So unlike some other uh, other systems that basically draw money out of your account, this is not about getting you to do some sort of pre-authorized contribution into a savings account and investing in the market. This is all about just having the cash on hand, right? Yeah, this is having the cash on hand. So really what, what happens is we're really trying to teach people, a lot of people have cash, but they're spending it on things that they don't really need. So what we're trying to do is help people to save for the things that they want by changing their spending. Fair enough. So I basically go in, start this up, and it says you should save for emergency fund. What kind of cues are you giving towards how much money that should be and how much money I should be putting into that fund on a regular basis? Well, to start it, we we start with like, we call them saving rules. So these are how money will move into the jar. So we start people off pretty easily, which most people take either a roundup on all their purchases or like $5 a week. So it's something that's really manageable, but it gives people the confidence that they can save. And then once they're in there, typically they add more saving rules so that they can save more. So we give a lot of nudges. We give a lot of challenges, things like, you know, make your coffee at home. And if they do, then they can save $5 towards that jar. So we start them off easily and then we show them how they can save more money once they're in. Fair enough. Good. So now once they're basically established that first one, which is the 
it's just the emergency fund. What else do you coach them around? Like what other goals are you basically encouraging them to save for? One of our other more popular goals is what we call the 52 week challenge and how that works is basically you save a thousand dollars in 52 weeks and we give an incentive of $20 towards their next saving goal. So there's a little bit of a, it's more of a challenge and there's an incentive tied to it. So people like that. And then a lot of our other nudges are really targeted towards our target market, which is typically middle to low income people who have children. So could be sports activities, whatever summer vacation you have coming up, winter tires, like just things that you need to plan for throughout the year that people typically don't plan for and end up using their credit card for. So those are the sort of nudges that we do. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing how much, especially in Canada, kids' hockey season uh, can put yeah. a dent in your credit card. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you specifically talked about targeting women and low-income Canadians. What specifically speaks to you about that group? And then how are you crafting your message around them? So the reason that we chose that target is because we believe these are the people, specifically women, are a lot of times managing the finances in the household. They know what those activities are that their kids have coming up. And they're typically the planners, um, at least for the short term. So that's why we decided to target, target them. And then We also did a lot of studies throughout the past year, looking at middle income and low income and just to see, is there any differences in their spending or do they all have the same amount of money and just spending money that they don't really need to? And what we've seen is that in across both targets, they have the same issue. You know, they're getting their nails done, they're getting their hair done, they're going out to eat, they're buying coffee. So it's those sort of habits that we're trying to help people break. Now, some things people don't want to give up on, but there's always something that people can. I was going to say, how much pushback do you get? It depends. Like, you know, some people are like, no way, I'm, I'm not giving up on my coffee. But yeah, I could probably make my lunch a couple of times a week. So everybody's got something that they can likely um, do less of so that they can save a little bit more money. Yeah, there's always room to breathe. So, I mean, if really you're talking about, we're talking about here's absolutely foundational level savings routines and habits, right? And trying to, I guess, get past the hurdle of people's preconception that they can't do it or there's just never enough money, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's what we hear like from a lot of our users. What they say is, you know, I never, ever, ever thought I could save. Mm. So it's really helping them build that confidence and seeing that, wow, this is possible. I can save money or I can, you know, start paying off some of that high interest debt that they, that I have, which some of our users do have that on, on credit cards and things. So really to help them build that habit to save money, but then of course, take that money and pay it off, pay off your, your credit card. So let's actually talk about the, the consumer feedback thus far. How has that been? First of all, how are people, just, let's go take a step back. How are people finding you at this point? A lot of people find us right now, mainly through word of mouth. So we haven't done a lot of marketing. Mm-hmm. So they're either finding us through their friends. We do like something called save to win in the app. So basically for every $20 you save, you get entered into a draw to win money. So that's quite popular. And when we, you know, when somebody wins money, then, then we always see a lot of more users coming on through that. And then the other way is through our business partnerships, which is how we mainly always plan to, to get users through these business partnerships that we're making. And which part, like, can you tell me about those partnerships? Who are you partnering with? There are two kinds of partnerships that like Zen talked about. One of the, what we have done over the years is to actually prove the, the platform works. 
mm-hmm. that people are able to save money uh, using you know behavioral economic science the nudges that we talked about so we have we are able to prove that people are able to now save money so we are taking the platform to businesses like companies of uh, different sizes that uh, that want to provide it to their employees and mm-hmm. in the social sector we are partnered with like non-profits uh, in alberta a company that is specialized or focused in serving the low income uh, calgarians mm-hmm. so we are providing cuber as a platform to help um, the organization to offer it to their uh, members who when they save money for example we did a three month project that said save 110 dollars over three months and uh, the organization offers an incentive of 40 dollars if people are successful so we provide the platform to those uh, companies that sell some of the partnerships and from their standpoint what's the inc- i mean the associations that deal with low income canadians or consumers altogether that's that's ex- self explanatory uh, ones outside of that what's their incentive for involving their people in this well when think about the social sector and we put ourselves in that shoes what we what we found out that there are significant barriers to delivering savings program to individuals and there are physical barriers there are barriers to reaching out the second issue is uh, the scalability of these programs are limited to the extent that they could be delivered on site and as we all know there are several canadians uh, most canadians are stressed about money and reaching the financially underserved is one of the um, aspects or the goals or objectives for these organizations and we are we are here to help to provide the platform to enable them to scale and also bring down those barriers that they have traditionally faced enough so talk to me about two things i want to know what has been users response to your platform thus far but more importantly i want to know what the data is proving like how effective has this been in their lives Yeah so a lot of our users basically what they really like is the fact that we do take the money out of their account and hold it in the vault. So we survey our users quite often through the app just to get feedback and we've also started calling them recently so doing more of a high touch kind of support getting feedback that way especially now that everybody's home. Um <laughs> captive audience. Exactly. So they like the vault. They really like the save to win. So save to win's always been popular. and what it does is help people keep their money in the vault so essentially mm-hmm. we do a draw at the end of the year so if you cash out then you lose your balance so that actually like we have done research and studies on that and that does entice people to keep their money in longer and not so you're combining it. mental accounting with loss aversion on something that's this actually low probability event of them winning in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> But so, it helps, right? Yeah. Um, well, I should down in effect they have the tickets they don't want to lose the tickets exactly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that we hear a lot is just that people really are seeing how they're spending their money number one it's kind of like you know or that annoying kind of person in their ear saying do you really need to buy that coffee today? And those coffees and those foods really really do add up and people don't realize it when you're spending and you're not actually looking at it and you're not looking at it in depth anyway so once they see that they can start cutting back on those things they they really see their savings grow yeah i can i can see that i mean just based on personal experience whenever i encourage people to use mint.com as a resource just for tracking your spending look at it just 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 get information all you're looking to do is understand where it's going right i'm not telling you to budget just don't know cuz no one wants to do that but essentially it's quite astonishing when i tell them just do it put a reminder on your calendar look at it 2 3 months later go in clean up their categories just look at the information and it's astonishing sometimes the feedback again where it's just like i had no idea i was blowing that much money on x and it is totally not worth it and just again we get we get chipped to death right i mean you know we always everybody picks on starbucks right and says you know five bucks here five bucks there every time you go 
the reality is you can just buy black coffee and it's as cheap as Tim Hortons, <laughs> but no one does that in Starbucks. So the point is, is that maybe to someone that is vitally important because it's the only break they get from their kids and it keeps them sane. But for the average person who just wants a morning coffee and decides to get a basically, oh, I'll just get a latte. So therefore it's going to cost four bucks now. They may sit back and look at that and say, I spent how much over the course of the last two, three months? Like, you know what? I think I can drink the coffee at the office or I can buy the bag at Starbucks and then brew it there and, and save that money. So I often say that, you know, this information is power figure that. Okay. So you've done this, you put together a platform that basically is allow people to just get money out of sight, out of mind automatically through either lump sum deposits on a weekly basis or roundups, which no one ever notices a roundup. Basically you've done that. What's, what's next on the roadmap for you? What do you guys want to take this beyond what you've done thus far? From a partnership standpoint, it's really about how to reach more Canadians. We know the platform works. We know people are able to save money. It's really about how do we reach more Canadians? How do we get it in the hands of people that what you talked about, Jason, really making people aware that mindfulness, you choose now you want to spend that a third of your salary in entertainment and you know, a fifth of it in, in eating out, that, that becomes your decision. At this point, what we are finding is a lot of people just are not aware that they're doing it. So number one is to make people aware as many Canadians. So the roadmap includes building creative partnerships, working with the social sector as well as the employer base. So that would be high on the agenda. And the second thing is uh, we find the concept of collective saying somewhat very attractive. Like a lot of us have got, uh, you know, friends and families that uh, are not necessarily co-located in the same city or town wherever we live. And every now and then people are always asking if you have a daughter or a son or nephew, what should I buy? What should I um, get them? So having a common goal towards a family or a community, we find it attractive. So as Jen talked about earlier, there's a lot of community feeling within the Cuber users today. And we want to grow that community into a savings community. So that's high on the agenda for us. It's interesting. Savings community type initiatives are far more common yeah. outside of North America and in Eastern and Western society altogether. Uh, you know, where entire African villages save for to put one person through school. Right? It's not, yeah. and then that person contributes back to the whole. It's not, uh, it's, that's a very foreign concept to Western society, unfortunately. Okay, so you've done that. Now, here's the, here's the big question. How are you monetizing? Because <laughs> we haven't talked about how you make money yet. Yes, the, the monetization model comes primarily from the B2B partnerships. So when mm -hmm. we offer the platform to businesses and the social sector, what we are doing is we are doing a, we charge an admin fee and a platform fee for the uh, per member per month. And the same thing would go for the uh, employer space. We also recently have introduced a premium model for the B2C area where we are actually getting a lot more into you know, how the individual is progressing against the goal more high touch, uh, looking at, you know, where the income and the expenses are, looking really on the cash flow side, providing more nudges, progress reports, and, and high touch uh, aspect to it. So really guiding the person through their goals and making them achieve the, uh, their goals is the premium model we have recently introduced. We are testing that out. We are finding that people are finding value in it. In order to grow that, obviously, we need to grow the user base on the B2C. So we are the primary one will be, will be a B2B partnership where we are charging fees for it, and the secondary would be B2C. Good stuff. So basically, before we wrap up, because we covered you pretty effectively already, I'm going to ask you three questions. Each, you each get the answer individually as opposed to you as a group. And let me know what you think. So first off, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company or industry as a whole, what would it be? No one ever uh, answers okay, right I'll away. <laughs> <laughs> I would say one big help would be to be able to move money faster. That's what I would <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I laugh because I just know how Canada works. Yeah, the, the payment architecture in North America is a joke, quite honestly. 
Yeah. And just to share a story, I, I literally, so I, I teach at York University on occasion and the course on financial planning. And one of the students who's a foreign student from China came up to me. She's like, I don't understand what's wrong with this country. I'm like, okay, in what capacity? And she's like, well, I, I'm trying just to, I just want to send money to someone. And I had to jump through all these hoops and it takes like all this input. And then it takes like three or four days. And if I want to send it overseas, then it's even worse. And I'm like, let me guess, you're using WeChat for that. She's like, yeah. And she's like, I guess do this and boom. And then they'll send and, and it's done. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you start later. You have better tech. <laughs> but, <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, once it's good enough, it's really hard to get past, especially That's once right. good enough creates friction that banks make money off of and therefore don't want to compete. And, and actually, I would actually say that they're intentionally doing everything they can to slow companies that take money out of their accounts down as fast as humanly possible. So yeah, you and me both. And uh, it's a common refrain on this podcast. So <laughs> thank you. Your, your turn. Yeah. You know, I would have open banking is certainly on the agenda for me at the same time. There are some. <laughs> I'm laughing again because it's just like, yes, yeah, again, exact same yeah, story. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But I know that's been probably over said uh, nowadays, especially. But one of the foundational issues we have in the system, as well as it, it does uh, flow into uh, companies like uh, Uber, mm. is the fees that are associated with. Uh, non-sufficient funds and overdraft fees. These are products that have been built over several decades in the banking system. And the ones that get most hit are the ones that are financially underserved. Yep. The ones that are paying the fees are the ones that actually should not be the ones that are paying. And we have been focusing on, again, making people aware of, you know, listen, you know, if you have enough cash flow, you will not be paying the $300. That's something you should be saving. And you're going to take a loan. And actually, if you don't take a loan, that's money actually coming in to the high interest so when you do the math, you you are spending a lot more money just by being aware you can be saving those those funds. So the in in terms of the system, you know, having a product and and uh, an alert system that's more beneficial for the customer, more beneficial for the consumer to know when those fees hit and then how to protect those fees uh, would something that we would like to see change. Yeah, I agree. I can't remember which book I read it in, but it was because something probably by Michael Lewis where um, it's a story of a meeting on Wall Street that actually happened where it was a conversation about no-fee accounts. And basically, the gentleman who was presenting said, turn off the microphone, turn off the microphone. He said, they're nothing but taxes on, on poor people. Because mm -hmm. essentially, what they were intended to do was to entice a bunch of people who were looking for the no-fee account. But then also, that correlates to people who have not enough money to basically, well, are poor lending risks in most cases, and are living more paycheck to paycheck. And then they would be hit with disproportionate NSF charges, and they wouldn't be able to get overdraft on those accounts. So basically, those accounts became nothing more than a tax on the poor. Unfortunately, this is, uh, <laughs> this is the way the system works. All right. So second question, what has been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? The initial challenges were, were actually quite deep. Uh, we, we started in 2016. Uh, there are not many companies that actually uh, moved money from checking account into an account that we were holding. Finding out the rules and regulations, the regulatory environment, the compliance environment was, was a significant effort in terms of time and you know, money spent. As you can imagine, for a young company, having trying to get those hoops and waiting for answers, not knowing where to go to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, was quite challenging. The second challenges were really around partnerships with with banks and credit unions and what, you know, as we had seen, some of the companies started to crop up around the same time in the US and Europe, and some of them were there before, which we didn't have knowledge of. 
but the banks seem to be a little bit more open to having partnerships with fintech there and that we found it really uh, that was a big shot coming here we started off and things have since opened up a little bit i would say uh, a company now starting five years later than we did uh, probably are better off than where we started those two were the biggest challenges and the third one was as we approached a several you know stakeholders including banks financial institutions um, you know investors the concept of you know actually a third party helping people save money was was really important so who is going to give you bank account information why would we help people one bank <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you oh, help people they will not give you bank account information. then you know it dawned on us you know we made it really really simple to explain to people listen you are paying bill you're paying bill and you're giving your bank account information to mm-hmm. a company that is going to draw money from your checking account and paying themselves or a third party we are no different except that we are holding money for the person that gives the bank account information again things have since changed and there were challenges in people just accepting that this model will never work we actually told one bank i mean when the bank said who is going to actually give you bank account information we said your customers are our customers they are coming to us because they do not yeah. have the tools in your mobile app and they are coming to us yeah i've sat on more than one conference or round table session with people who have lived in the banks their entire lives and they just can't understand why things ever happen outside their little universe and when people mm. like you come along and say well yeah but who's going to trust you we have these giant towers that are built off people's blood and tears why would they ever why yeah. would they ever give you anything blah 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 it's, it's it, and then meanwhile like you know neo banks around the world are basically crossing the multi million user count and it's like if they still don't show up on these people's radars it's quite bizarre yep jen your time same uh, same question <laughs> well thank you said a lot of what i would have said but I think for us to I mean our plan was always to get users through these partnerships have taken has taken longer than what we expected. So it's just really getting our name out there. I mean there's a lot of people in Canada that have never heard about us. It's been challenging to have people hear about us and get our name out there. Fair enough. Awareness is always a big challenge when you had when you can't spend a fortune on uh, Google ads. So then, last question is: What excites you the most about what it is you're working on, and gets you out of bed every day to continue working on? Well, continue fighting the good fight, for lack of a better term. For me, it's definitely like to to hear the user testimonials and to hear how we're helping users. We have pretty active user base who, and like Binky was saying earlier about the community, they like to post, they like to tell us how they think about the app. They they're willing to like go on media and talk about us. It's quite amazing, actually. So it's hearing their stories, how we've helped them. We've heard some pretty serious stories of people that got divorced that had a bunch of debt after, and how we've helped them come out of that. on the other side and and that's that's truly what keeps me going in life. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's a positive impact. The, Thank you. Yeah, it will be the same for me the impact that you're having on people that you know we hear stories about how you know I thought I would be the one that could never save money and you know I went through this divorce and thank you for you guys existing that I could actually get through this or you know I went to you know Tokyo I had to meet someone that did not know how to save money and I actually did that I did you know the the hockey savings for my kids and you know I gave this and one of the users actually said you know every time he actually posted on our facebook he said he gets more excited about his keyboard notification than his tinder swipes <laughs> <laughs> where is he that his tinder swipes suck that much <laughs> 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 well these these kind of stories uh, you know obviously it's, uh, it's no small feat that you know for any startup it's challenging to get off the ground and these are things that you know has kept us going in the past and will keep us going and also in addition as these things build up it's really the possibilities of where this could end up if we do it right this is 
quite an exciting uh, field to be in and helping people and you know, everybody needs help as you said earlier some people realize they do and some people don't and we are here to help people that uh, that want to be helped and the possibilities are are many in this case Fantastic. Good. Well, I mean, it's always lovely to talk to people who are basically making a positive change in people's lives. Uh, I mean, every company likes to say they go out and do that, but you guys are really close to the ground floor on that. So that's fantastic. And I encourage everyone who needs any help saving or needs knows people who does to check out Cuber. That's uh, Q-U-B-E-R.ca. It'll be in the show notes. And uh, yes, thank you yet again for sharing some of your quarantine time <laughs> with me today and uh, telling your story. Thanks thank you so much for having us. Oh, my pleasure. Take care. Take care, you too. So that's my interview with Jen and Venki of Cuber. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you take the time to check out their app. As always, I'm Jason Pereira, and this has been FinTech Impact. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.